Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are back to the year of Star Wars. What did we watch this week, guys? Sam? We watched Rogue One. So, this or Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Star depending Wars on story. how you want to look at that. Episode 3.85. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know there was a little bit of a uh, confusion. It was uh, anthology films. It was a Star Wars story. It was different things. This is Rogue One. This is, yeah, episode 3.85, just before A New Hope. And this is the first of our Star Wars stories, and, you know, depending on how you felt about the other one, um, you know, it was a good one. This was a very, very good one. I know Jamie has made the statement that this is the best Star Wars movie. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of a hot take, but um, upon this rewatch, I'm even more convinced. This well, is the, if, if, if there was just one you could watch, this would be the one every time. I'm, I'm not saying this is the best Star Wars movie, but this is a very strong Star Wars movie. It's definitely in top three for me. Uh, I have to agree. It, it, it is To me, it's one of the best. And what I think is interesting about it is that I think what's interesting, it doesn't have as much of the baggage. It doesn't have a lot of this, the, the saga specifically. And I think that's what, what made, it, made it different, made it significant. Well, you were actually, um, with the characters introduced, you actually had some concern about their safety. You know, you look at Luke, Han, and Leia, you, you know they're making it through to the next movie. Yeah. You know, you, you, Obi-Wan, he's making it through. You know, he's making it through episode three. And, and Finn and Poe and Ray, they're yeah, pulling through. They're, they're pulling through. But here, you know, you have a whole new cast of characters, a whole new situation, and a question that you know a lot of people were asking, you know, how did they come across these Death, Death Star plans? You know, why did they have such a big, huge station with such a massive flaw? And you, we find all of that in this movie. You know, released in 2016, the um, year after Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, you know, this movie came out, I believe, in December as well. And they, they kind of toyed around with the release date. I think at one point it was supposed to have been a, a, a May release, and then they pushed it back until Christmas time. I believe, honestly, for the um, all the dollars that um, I, I think oh, it was yeah. wise. I, I think I think Star Wars should stay at Christmas. Well, now Star Wars to me has always been a summer release, but now they moved it to Christmas. We we don't have the Harry Potter movies coming out anymore. We don't right. have Lord of the Rings movies coming out anymore at Christmas. So yes, please move Star Wars to Christmas. That was a big fault of the other Star Wars story. Yeah, coming so close on the heels. Of the Last Jedi, I agree completely. And I, I think they did it because they wanted to get back, like you were talking about. You're, you're, you're the old school fan. You know, yeah. Star, Star Wars is a summer movie. May's the traditional release month. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get back to that, and it just it was a mistake. Yeah, and much like we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a few Solo, more episodes. Yeah. Much like Solo, this movie also had some um, drama behind the scenes with filming. They had to reshoot uh, large chunks of it. They kind of had to refinagle things that happened. You know, and, and as I mentioned before, coming in 2016, you have a phenomenal cast here. Felicity Jones as Jen Erso, Diego Luna as Cassie and Andor, Alan Tudyk, hello folks, as K2SO, <laughs> Donnie Yen, hello again, as uh, Chirrut Imway. Uh, we also have uh, Forrest Whitaker. We Mads have, Mickelson. Yeah, Mads Mickelson, Ben Mendelsohn, I mean... You name it, these guys it's, it's are a, in I it. mean, they're not the most, it's not the most famous cast, 
But these are all amazing. But they're actors. amazing actors. Well, they're, yeah. they're, they're solid actors, you know, and they're they're people you realize even if you don't recognize their name, you recognize them when yeah. you see them on screen. Yeah. You and, know. and even the ones I know we're kind of banging around right now. We're, we're in our opening thoughts without officially doing it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, even the ones like I had no, I'd never seen Diego Lewis in anything before. No. But he gave such an amazing performance. Like I wanted to find more stuff. Oh, he stole. And that's just, yeah, he stole the. He stole a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. And so like I mean, I knew who Alan Tudyk was. I mean, I knew who Forrest Whitaker was. Yeah. And you know, I kind of recognized James Earl Jones' voice. But like, <laughs> but even like the people I had, I had never seen Mads Mikkelsen in anything before. And he was great in this movie. You've He's never across seen the board. Mads in anything. I hadn't seen him oh in anything gosh. before Rogue One. Not, to, not that I remember. Wow, you need to get out from under that rock. But well, we, we've established I've got some holes yeah, in my we, movie yeah, we, background. We've all got some uh, some gaps in our um, uh, fandoms here. Well, apparently, mine are huge. But uh, I mean, but even the people I didn't recognize. I wow. mean, I mean, yeah. there's not a bad performance in this movie. Yeah. And as we're banging around here with our opening thoughts, guys, I know we kind of jumped into that pretty quickly. What, um, Jamie, if you want to start off with a grade, if you're going to throw a grade on this thing, is this thing going to pass or fail? Well, I think I already tipped my hand on that. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just uh, a few a few more comments before I give my grade. Okay. This movie is visually beautiful. Gareth, Gorgeous. Gareth Abrams makes beautiful movies, and I, I mean, watching that Godzilla movie he made, I think in 2014, That's stunning to look at. It's, I mean, there's there's some flaws in that movie. It's, it's amazing to look at, and the story in this movie is compelling. It's got a few little nitpicks, but overall, it's a truly great movie. A plus. A plus. Okay. Sam, uh, I have to kind of go with Jamie. I give this an A plus. Uh, you know, as, as I was rewatching it, you know, I just kept looking, and and honestly, I, I it so much reminds me of the Dirty Dozen and those types of World War II movies where they know it's a suicide mission going in, and and the fact that they could still create. I guess characters that we care about within this small span of time, yeah. because there was, you know, no plan of, oh, there's the the next part to this. What's the sequel? Exactly. You know, we had to care about these characters quickly, From and the I get think go. yes, yeah. and I think they established that very quick. And and this whole movie is based upon one line from A New Hope's opening crawl. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> whole movie is from that one single line in the opening crawl, and that that, that to me. To take just that little bit and to create such a, like Jamie said, a beautiful movie. I mean, I have to give it an A+. Striking from a hidden base, Rebels have won their first victory. That's right. Against the evil Galactic Empire. And if you want to be impressed, I did it without us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw my grade in here, too. Guys, this is going to be an honor roll on this movie. I'm going to give it an A+, plus as well. So this thing's moving up to the honor roll. Oh, um, right. I mean, this is, like you said, it's beautifully filmed. The story is excellently portrayed you know and we did fall in love with all these characters i feel like i mean but and they had such a short time to do it you had to care about these people and i mean they got the right people to make you you know to make you care um one thing i know uh was kind of controversial (coughs) is the uh the digital faces that they had had um, you have a digital Tarkin, mm-hmm. which looks really good. You have a digital Leia, which looks not quite as not good. Not as good. I've got thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I've got strong opinions about those two scenes. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's a whole lot in this movie. A- again, you know, we talked about the, the characters. Alan Tudyk is K2SO. 
a robot with a ton of personality. And, oh, and yeah. who else do you get to, to portray that on yeah. the screen? Okay, guys. Well, we've gotten our thoughts out of the way. And before we get into a rundown oh, did you notice, of by the way, movie. This is only our second A-plus all-player round movie. Yes, it is. Tombstone really? and Tombstone Rogue One wow. are, are yep. in the honor circle. Yes. Well, hey, it's in good company. Movies, yeah. Yeah, it's in good company. So before we go any further, we are going to play a trailer here of Rogue One. And then we'll come back with our synopsis. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Can you be trusted without your shackles? Let's just get this over with, shall we? We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. If you're really doing this, I want to help. Good. Good. I've been recruiting through the rebellion for a long time. We destroyed our home. I fight the Empire now. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. The captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. There isn't much time. Every day they grow stronger. There is a 97.6% chance of failure. He means well. with me all the way and we have the vader breathing at the end now oh, yes shows exactly where we were that's one of the most effective trailers ever yeah that is a really you know what got me was the things that they had changed um, from the trailer to the movie, uh, I, the it was so looking forward to her going out on that catwalk. I want to see both versions of this movie. At the end, and the TIE Fighter coming up. I really hope sometime in the future we get a director's cut or an alternate version. I was hoping with the, with the uh, options that you have on Blu-rays, sometimes yeah. with, with your scene swapping and, and uh, different versions, that, that would have happened at some point, but it hasn't thus far. Yeah, yeah I, I bought the uh, the most recent Blu-ray release this week to, to, re- to rewatch it this time. Oh yeah, and I was hoping to find that oh, stuff damn. on there. I wanted to find those <laughs> scenes on there like in full. No, it's not well, there. Disney not being one to leave a dollar laying around, I'm sure that's going to happen <laughs> in a few years. <laughs> when, when, when they they finish up, you know, the saga and they release them all, kind of like they're doing with Avengers, all 22 in one big set, right? <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be the thing. Yeah, yeah, I look for us to have a a, a non saga DVD. Oh yeah, uh, a non DVD saga. Release. It'll happen. Right, well, I think so, it's spoiler time. It's full on spoiler time. 
which we're talking about a three-year-old movie here. If you're, <laughs> if you're listening to the, the episode titled Rogue One, so if you don't want to spoil it, if you don't know what's going on, go watch the movie. Come back. We'll wait. Just put us on pause. We don't mind. I'm totally. We'll be right here. Or this movie is so good, you can hear all the spoilers, and it'll still be worth watching. You know, this movie, there is, there's stuff a lot of times with probably the first ten watches. I saw new stuff. Yeah. There, there, this is a pretty dense movie. There's a lot going on. There's, yeah. There's a lot I, I catch something each time. Like, or, or something will feel different. Like, oh, this was an even better performance. Or And, and we have yeah. made a conscious decision, folks. To kind of watch our rabbit trails this time, <laughs> yes. because we, we we'll can do our really best. really get lost. So, uh, okay, guys, who's grabbing part one of the synopsis here? All right, well, I'll take part one. So, part one begins. Research scientist Galen Urso and his family are in hiding on the planet Lamu when Imperial weapons developer Orson Krennic arrives to press him into completing the Death Star a space station-based superweapon capable of destroying entire planets. Galen's wife, Lyra, is killed in the confrontation, while their daughter, Jen, escapes and is rescued by rebel extremist Saw Gerrera. Thirteen years later, cargo pilot Bodhi Rook defects from the Empire, taking a holographic message recorded by Galen to Gerrera on the desert moon Jeddah. After learning about the Death Star from an agent at the trading post Ring of Kafrin, Rebel Alliance intelligence officer Cassian Andor frees Jin from an Imperial labor camp on Wabani before bringing her to the Rebel leader Mon Mothma, who convinces her to find and rescue Galen so the Alliance can learn more about the Death Star. Cassian is covertly ordered to kill Galen rather than extract him. And this is where we're talking about this movie being visually beautiful. That opening scene with Krennic's ship coming in, it just looks amazing. That the planet, the the ship, it all. I mean, it looks just stunning. Yeah, I know this was a big concern with me, especially this being the first Star Wars movie. I didn't know how they were going to open this. Being yeah. a Star Wars story, were they going to have a scroll? Yeah. Were they going to have like a Clone Wars narrator? Was we just were we just going to be dropped into the action? You know what what was going to happen here? And you. You have the boom music, the ship flying in. Um, I love yeah the visuals, the planet with the rings, yeah. uh, the yeah. ship coming in it's across them, you know, kind of skimming the rings, coming down to the landing on the black uh, volcanic rock beaches. Just I mean, beautiful. And then you and have it, the visually stunning the the black stormtrooper armor. Yeah, and they're like a foot taller than everyone. And you know, you normally see these stormtroopers. Speaking, you know, just like we speak, you know, kind of, you can kind of tell it's muffled and amplified. You know, where, where did you get these droids? You know, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. You know, but these guys, when they talk, you hear. You know, it's just kind yeah, of. This, it, this it, it's almost mess. it's almost like a cross between radio chatter and like some type of like Hutties or something that yeah. that you would hear in, yeah, in the Star like Wars universe. Code. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the, the the visual of that that overhead shot of all of them spaced out walking through Galen's farm, mm-hmm. and it just I, I don't know why Krennic had to park so far away, but it made for a great visual <laughs> it made scene, for a fantastic scene, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and and actually, just recently, um, the artist uh, Dave Dorman actually did a painting of that scene and he's been putting little by little on his facebook page as he's been working on it and he got the finishing touches today that he posted wow. and oh, and cool. to me if dave dorman does that scene there is something 
you know, amazing about it. Well, I think, I mean, we've talked before about how some, some directors are really good visually. Like um, Zack Snyder. Not the best storyteller, visually amazing. Really gorgeous movie. Uh, Ryan Johnson, you know. Gorgeous movie. Gorgeous movie. Last year, I got a, there's some spots where the kind of got away from him a little bit. Gareth Edwards is the total package. Well, now, the He's thing a great that storyteller done with this is he, he was able to take the visuals and tell you that story. Yeah, correct. You know, something that we're familiar with, the blue milk sitting on the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're familiar with, you know, there's a stormtrooper dog. There's a kid around. You know, yeah. there's a, you know, the kyber crystal necklace, the, uh, you know, and yeah, so the confrontation, uh, Krennic is trying to take... Galen and his family to go back to work on the Death Star. Um, he sends Lyra and Jen to hide, and Lyra comes back to confront and fight. Winds up, winds up getting killed, and Jen hides in the rock in the cave, uh, which was a really neat little safe spot. You know, it was a really cool little kind of panic room. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's kind of Star Wars version of panic room, yeah. and, and I love the fact that you know it was away from the main homestead. Mm-hmm. You know, they had thought about this. Yeah. You know, this was planned. If something were to happen, here's where you go. Well, you see her call Saw Guerrero. You know, Saw, it's happening. They're coming for us, and you see Forrest Whitaker's phenomenal acting abilities you know just through a static image on the screen and he's like okay i'll you know you know what to do i'll be there yeah and my, my suspicion is that there's some Saul Greer influence on that that he that, like maybe through his counsel that he he helped them figure out he where to put that thing that was the best yeah. and how to disguise it that kind of thing i think so and yes. Saul Greer is someone we were introduced to in clone wars um as being one of the first yeah. uh we mentioned him in our last star wars episode yeah mm-hmm. yeah in our last uh Episode, but, yeah. but uh, I mean, we, I, th- I think we skipped one of the best scenes in this movie. Um, it's right at the very front, but that first conversation between Krennic uh, 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 and Galen Erso, mm-hmm. it there's just so much packed into that what minute, oh, yeah. two yeah, minutes, because you realize right away within that that tiny little conversation, these guys go way back. They're, they went to college together or something, they, <laughs> and they and they were friends at some point. Yeah. But they're not anymore. And their ideals have taken them. Yeah, apart. there's yeah. there's so much packed into that little. I mean, it's just masterful acting and writing. It was it's amazing. So they're the Star Wars version of Reed Richards and Victor Von Doom, right? Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> works. <laughs> hey, everything comes back to Marvel. Doom got a weird mask and uh, it got a weird hat. Yeah. <laughs> I think he folded the paper just right though. <laughs> and you know, to to be a, a director, Krennic, I'm not. That's a uh, title that we haven't heard with the Empire before. And yeah, then we had the White Tunic, which I know is pretty synonymous with admirals. Yeah. He had kind of the White Tunic, but he had dark pants. So we uh, get our first glimpse of Star Wars middle management. Yeah, middle management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's really neat um, how that, that middle management fit into the overall universe. And it coming into the Star Wars story not being a saga film. Yeah. Just, just kind of working here. But then we have a 13-year leap. Here, a, a big jump. Thirteen years later, cargo pilot. Yeah, and uh, and, and Bodhi shows up, and um, I think at this point we see him meeting with uh, Saul's guys, and I love that right off the bat. These are not the normal rebels, because he's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm defecting." Like we captured him. Like, no, I'm defecting. <laughs> no, I, I surrendered. Like you, you don't have to put a bag on my head. I'm I'm with you guys now. Yeah, um, you just saw, see how battle weary, yeah. and just. PTSD'd out these guys are. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
and taking absolutely no, no chances. chances. Uh-uh. Yeah. No chances at all. Yeah. So. Uh, and and they've given up on Galen. They they don't believe he's working. They they think he's bought back in. Yeah, he they, he's an imperial guy now. No, I. Well, and and I think you know Saul's people think that. I think Saul thinks that. In you know, and then I think the the actual alliance thinks yeah. that. You know, based on a, the discussions and conversations we get. Yeah. No, nobody trusts Galen Erso anymore. No. So so I mean, I think Bodhi thought like, hey, I'm coming from Galen Erso. This will get me some you know credence to listen to me. It did the opposite. Yeah. Ooh, completely. Yeah. 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 But uh, what did you guys think about uh, the introduction of Cassian? I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I, I knew you did. Because yes. that scene is so powerful. The second that he turns... It, this freaked my kids out. We saw this in the theaters. My youngest one was freaked completely. She's like, He's, that guy's okay, right? That guy's okay, right? Because <laughs> she had never seen anything like that in a Star Wars movie before. Yeah. And But I think that that moment tells us this is a different kind of Star Wars movie. And it tells you everything you need to know about his character. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's no question. Cassian shot first. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might have been something to that. I think it might have been like, hey, nudging the fans, like, hey, we're on yeah. safe ground here. We yeah, know who shoots first in this movie. Exactly. We know this guy. Yeah. Well, we you know, know this guy. I, I agree with you guys. I mean, this sets up what is the galaxy like right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not just... You know, it's not the the Jedi Knights and this shining Republic that not we had before. Not just farm boys and X-wings. Right, it's not there's, farm there's boys and X-wings. There's a dirty side to this war. You know, we're we're not get, hopping in the you know going over to Tashi Station to pick up power converters, <laughs> right? This is real life, yeah. spied, undercover, you know, live or die situations, and this is something we'd never seen in the Star Wars universe. No. And and the, he, I mean, that guy is one of his guys. That's one of his yeah. informants. That's in Cassian's network. And the second there's a chance that guy's going to betray the mission, the gun goes in his back. Out. Yeah. No, it doesn't hesitate. There's that look of regret. We see that Cassian at his yeah. core still a pretty good dude. You he still pulled it, the trigger you first. You see that it oh, yeah. tore him up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you see that it He tore didn't him love up. what he had to do, but he, he was going to do it. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, I think there, there was a slight look on his face that it was a regret, but this was what had to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I just say, but I, I think not just what it tells us about casting, which I think was powerful. Uh-huh. I think it was this message, like, "Hey guys, this is a different kind of Star Wars movie." And I think it just put putting that right at the front of the movie. I think prepared us to to expect different things and yeah. not, you know, run different territory here. I thought that was right. such a powerful thing. Before we go any further, uh, what did you guys think about the music in this? Not being John Williams' score, what did you guys think about? Well, the music? I know there was some controversy. I think that they fired a guy. Well, uh, um, Alexander Desplat, I think, was going to do the music, and he dropped out kind of at the last minute. I don't know if he was fired. Oh, okay. I misunderstood or, that. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know if he was fired or if it was just a scheduling thing that happened. I think he went on to do another movie right at that time period Yeah. Um, that was probably a little bit more big name, maybe more money. I don't know. But they got... Um, and I found out I can't this say guy, this guy's name. Well, I found out too that this guy is kind of a Disney go-to. Yeah, uh, he's done when, a lot of Disney. He does uh, some of my favorite Disney scores. He yeah. did Incredibles, um, Zootopia. I mean, he's done a lot of good, really. And the name is Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Yes, Giacchino. I wasn't sure if that was a hard G or a soft G at the beginning. Yeah, Giacchino. And he is a phenomenal good. Uh, artist. Uh, and uh, I listened to an interview with him. Um, I think it was probably on Rebel Force Radio, and they... He said, you know, when I got the call, I said, should I or shouldn't I? He said, so I called my brother. 
and said, what should I do? Should I take this? And he said, why wouldn't you? You've already got the score written in your head for the last 30 years. <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, I kind of do, don't I? So, uh, yeah, the, the music was very um, Star Wars appropriate. Um, you had the bombastic brass. Mm-hmm. You had the wispel flutes. You know, I, th- I think the timbre was still there. The, the, you know, the, the, the timbre and the instruments used definitely matched up with what we've heard. Yeah. Uh, and even a lot of the music, there may be a few notes right at the beginning that, that felt like John Williams. And then it, then it would twist in, an, yeah. in another direction. And, and I, just, I found that really interesting. Yeah. I, I thought there were some moments where you could tell it was kind of a rush score. Um, I think it's a good score. Yeah. But this guy, I mean, has done some of my favorite scores. And I think if he had been given more time, I think, because I think the thing that's missing from this score is there's no big memorable theme. Because you know the Imperial March. You know Luke's theme. You know Ray's theme from the new movies. There's not one of those. And I think if he'd been given more time, we would have gotten one of those. More identifiable. Yeah, there would there would have been identifiable. an identifiable, you know, gen theme. Right. Or something like that. I, I think that's the only thing we lost. I think that's a good score. There's just not that super memorable theme thing. It's not there. there there's a bit of a fanfare, but, you know, I, like you said, I don't think it's it's strong enough that stands out like... But I think, you know, but I think he's so good. If he'd, been had, if he'd had the time, I think we would have gotten I think so. I but, agree. you know, with this being, as, as it was so aptly put earlier, a Star Wars middle management movie, <laughs> you know, you don't have the... Huge hero, you know, saving the galaxy. You have these kind of smaller heroes doing this really, really important thing to enable. Yeah. That's funny. We've got grunts versus middle management. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, that's, I love that. I love that. But yeah, this is, uh, you know, the beginning of this movie establishes so much. Yeah. And you see, um, as we continue on this first section, uh, you see then he takes the word back to the rebels and they send him to to capture Jill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gets kidnapped from jail. She gets kidnapped from jail. And yeah. I, I think that's a good scene too because her first instinct to being rescued is to run. It's not to be, hey, thanks. It's like, I'm going to punch you and run. Yeah, right. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to beat you and get out of here <laughs> and, and take care of myself. And this is our introduction to K2SO. As he slams her to the ground. <laughs> yeah, choke slams her to the ground. Hello, Congratulations, you've been rescued. <laughs> <laughs> Just as dry and straightforward as can be, right? Yes, Alan but, Tudyk done a great job of uh, portraying this and I, I th- But I think, as, as good as performance is, I think we needed K2SO. Because without oh. those moments of humor and levity, this would have been such a dark and dreary movie. It, it, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of heaviness here. Yeah. So we needed the breath. And for it to come from a droid, much like R2 and C-3PO. Very true. You don't have that interaction, uh, but you have the interaction. So K2 and Cassian, there are doubles for R2 and 3PO, and also for Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. if you look at their That's relationship true. in here, yeah, you know, they, they, they kind of feel, feel you know, multiple roles. Yeah, but I mean, like this is a pretty tense movie, too. And I think yeah. it would have been kind of almost unbearable if it weren't for those moments where K2 kind of lets us relax. And he lightens that tension for a moment. I think it's I think it's a really important little piece they put in this movie. I just love the way K2... He's not just funny. It's important for the storytelling of the movie. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's very, very few wasted 
lines yeah. or, or sequences through here. And so then they go back to the uh, go back to as we find out they're on Yavin. They're on the Yavin base there. And I feel so bad for those dudes up in those little watch buckets, whatever those things are. <laughs> Every time I see that scene, I'm like, man, that, that has to be the worst job in the rebellion. <laughs> that is an odd job. Yeah. What did you have to do to, to pull that duty? Yeah. It you know it, it kind of works a lot like the old crow's nest on you know on old sailing ships. Yeah, I mean, yeah, your job was exactly. to sit up there and spot land or any ships See coming across or, the horizon. Yeah, yeah. So. and you have to be somebody has to be mad at you because you know they've got scanners for everything. I mean, right. you're not going to see it first. <laughs> So what's your job? <laughs> like my job is I made Mon Mothma mad. So <laughs> what did you guys think about the uh, the government of the rebellion that you see here? That was a change too. That was a different mm-hmm. side. We've never seen them bicker like this before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and as we see them at the beginning, or well, kind of in the middle of um, episode four, we we find out here everybody's kind of already went back to their senate posts. You know, they've already yeah. disagreed. They've already went back to their senate posts. And we're left with a very skeleton crew. And there's different levels of commitment. Yeah. Not everybody's Not all in. Everybody's exactly. all in. Uh-huh. Yeah, some people are all for it, and some people are like, we know we're not really wanting to fight, but we want to change. Well, and the the guy from Sherlock, whose name I don't remember, he's a good, he's a great actor. I don't I don't know his name. He was ready to pull the escape cord quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy with the uh, kind of like the the bowl cut hair had the really scraggly looking beard. Okay. First sign of trouble. I'm put ripcord, man. I'm, right. I'm out. Right. <laughs> but I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I, I pictured the rebels as all in. All we in. hate the empire. Whatever we got to do. You know, ideologues. And it, that wasn't what was happening in that room. And and I guess that's something that we didn't realize. You know, with with the uh, original three saga, you know, the original three movies in the saga. You know, is these guys were at the end of their rope. These guys are trying to subterfuge the galactic government. You know, these guys are, you know, and at the beginning of um, episode four, you know, they've won their first victory. Correct. You know, and we know they've been at this since the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't think in the original uh, trilogy, we. this is just my take on it. I, I didn't really feel that the Rebels were desperate until the Battle of Hall. Yeah. That was when it really felt like, okay, they're really, they're really the odds are stacked the against them. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I never really felt that in A New Hope. It's not until Hulk, but you feel that yeah. every second of every this movie. Every second of this yeah. movie, yeah. I, I think this definitely made the Alliance feel a little bit more like a ragtag group yeah. it, instead of this this kind of fighting force that you see by the time you get to Jedi where everyone is kind of banded together and, and there's a little bit more focus. Yeah. Uh, here, we're seeing this the early days, and not everybody is agreeing, even though, you know, Mon Mothma is there. You, we, we see a version of General Dodonna there. Mm-hmm. You know, we see the, those key players, but there's still a lot of dissension between everyone. Do you think that's because this is before Alderaan? That maybe that was like this galvanizing moment. Like, well, after Alderaan, there's no coming here. back. Yeah, and you even see in this movie, they, they uh, have a rallying cry after Jeddah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they did not have a a cause, yeah. You know, to really rally behind. This was just this massive evil thing. But after Alderaan, there's no wishy-washy. Yeah, but after right. Alderaan, yeah, yeah. So, hmm. will you mean jump into part two? Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, Jen, Cassian, and reprogrammed Imperial droid K2SO, the real star of the movie, 
Travel to Jeddah, where the empires are moving kyber crystals from the Holy City to power the Death Star, while Guerrera and his partisans are engaged in an armed insurgency against them. With the aid of blind spiritual warrior Chirut Imwe and his mercenary friend Baze Malvis, Jen makes contact with Guerrera, who has been holding Rook captive. Guerrera shows her the message in which Galen reveals he has secretly built a vulnerability into the Death Star and directs them to retrieve the schematics from an Imperial data bank on the planet Scarif. On the Death Star, Krennic orders a low-powered test shot, which destroys Jeddah's capital. Jen and her group take Rook and flee the moon, but Guerrera remains to die with the city. Grand Moff Tarkin congratulates Krennic before using Rook's defection and security leak as a pretext to control of the project. Rook leads the group to Galen's Imperial Research Facility on the planet Edu, where Cassian chooses not to kill Galen. Jen makes her presence known moments before rebel bombers attack the, attack the facility. Galen is wounded and dies in his daughter's arms, before she escapes with a group on board a stolen Imperial cargo shuttle. Krennic is summoned by Darth Vader to answer for the attack on Edu. Krennic seeks his support for an audience with the Emperor, but Vader instead orders him to ensure no further breaches occur. You know, so as, as we get into part two here, you know, it's we, we really see, completely see Saw Gerrera now. And, you know, this guy's been through it. Yeah. You know, we, we get it, the feel that how Jen feels about him, you know, as, as far as that situation. We, we see how Mon Mothma kind of feels about him as a little bit of an extremist. But then we actually see him, and this guy's been through it. Book it. <laughs> yes. he. I mean, he's been through the trenches. I mean, and, and physically and mentally, this guy's seen it. Do you, I had a question about that. I want to ask you guys. Do you think we were supposed to get an unhinged vibe from him? Like yes. he's like he's off the reservation. Like he's not all he, there anymore. He's not there. Yeah. Yes. And you know, you you see him with his mechanical parts. You see him with the the big respirator and the and the oxygen. You know, the, whatever he's breathing through that thing. Um, and then he's having these insane looks after that. Is that his moments of clarity, or is that just him going deeper into his yeah. paranoia? Yeah, See, that, that's the word I kept getting off it. Was paranoia. paranoia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, entirely, entirely paranoid. And he's willing to sacrifice this defector who's bringing them, you know, information to just enable them to destroy the Death Star. You know, because he just don't trust him, so he's just going to just completely destroy his mind with this creature. Yeah. You know. You know, and I think when you when we talked about Clone Wars, you know, I think you can see the seeds of that paranoia, that not feeling like he gets enough respect. And, and I think that's the beginning. And then as he goes through and maybe has some, some issues with the way the Alliance is handling things, pulls out on his own. Like you said, his, his guys do not look like your typical rebels. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got two tubes and you've got all these different characters. Well, and you'll notice, too, that his, his guys, are, I think, are a little paranoid about him because yeah. the, the guy with the skull face, whose name I can't remember, he lies. Trying to, I think he's like trying to get in with his right. good graces. He's like, we got this out of his boot. And Brody's like, no, no I, I gave that to you. you. <laughs> yeah. But the guy's lying. Well, we took this out of his boot. Right. So like they're trying, maybe they're afraid of Saw Gerrera. Like he's unhinged. Well, I'm going to get in his good graces because I'm the guy that found I'm this. The guy who got I thought that was kind of an interesting yeah. exchange there. Yeah. So they're, you know, not wanting to upset him. They're feeding in yeah. you know, to his paranoia. And as he's well. infected them. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a neat take on that. Character. So, so it, it's almost like a sycophant type of relationship. Yeah, I thought that was just a, a weird little deal there. Yeah, but, 
Um, but I, I thought the movie was was trying. To, I wasn't sure though. Like, what was it to take from that? Like maybe because like they they need the guy. It's clear because they're trying to get his help. So they they they're in such desperate straits. They're trying to reconcile with you know a guy who's a little unhinged or maybe a lot unhinged. Right. Well, they talk about him as a fanatic. Yeah. But there's times where he's right. Yeah. There's things he gets right. You know, it's like well, I'm just like it's like maybe he's trying to tell us two different things. Like maybe he's paranoid. Are you paranoid if you're? If they really are out to get he, you. He's you know, a classic kind of and reliable yeah. narrator. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, classic. So, what do you guys think about um, two characters we are introduced to here? Um, who I thought were really, really great highlights of the movie um, is uh, Chirrut and Baze. Love them. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and the, the and, and uh, Chirrut, I'm probably saying his name wrong. He has the funniest non K2SO scene in the whole movie. When they put the bag over his head. Because Spider did it. I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the design of uh, Jetta, even though it's kind of a desert planet, yeah. you know. But this is where they're they're harvesting these kyber quick crystals. And as you find out, the kyber crystals are what power the lightsabers, and they're also using them to focus the laser beams um, of this Death Star. But, um, I, but I thought going back. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm circling back. No, go ahead. Circle back. I, th- I think Chirrut is really fascinating because it appears there's some level of force sensitivity to him, but he's not a Jedi and doesn't claim to be. Yeah. But there's he's got some connection to the force that other people don't have. I just I just found that fascinating. Like, yeah. What? Where does he fit? You know? They refer to him as the guardian of the wills. Well, he, yeah. Baze is too, though. Well, no, yes, that was what them. they were doing. Yeah, that, they were they were kind of priests in that temple. Yeah. And and uh, as you find out that the that Baze was even the most dedicated of them all. He said, "You you were, you were the greatest of us all at one time, yeah. the most faithful, the most devout." Um, but. Uh, yeah, Chirrut, um, you know, has not lost his faith. Yeah. Chirrut has retained that faith, and he's not Force-sensitive. And I don't know if this was ever mentioned directly in the movie or if it was some type of other ex- expanded universe stuff that I had read, kind of like behind the scenes, or if it was mentioned uh, through an interview when they were talking about characters. But he's not a Jedi. He's not Force-sensitive. But he is operating in this faith realm. See, I wonder. See, I think the movie tells us different things about that. Yeah. Because, like, especially when they finally get to Edu. And because he can't see Cassian. And Cassian doesn't say a word. But when he leaves the ship and he has to ask him, him, he's up to something. Yeah, and he asked him, right. like, what, what did his face look like? I don't know the exact line, but what did he look like? What did he look like? Because, you know, he felt like a guy who had death about him. Yeah. Like, that sounds like something a Jedi would say or recognize or sense. If he's not force sensitive, how is he getting that? So I just felt like there's something, there's something to him. I don't know. Maybe some like some small like he's got like two midichlorians or something. <laughs> you know, there, like, there's a little something extra to him. You know. Yeah. There's a little something there. You know, when when you were talking about the kyber crystals, though, you know, I believe uh, in the Gennady Tarkovsky or whoever say his last name yeah. shorts, they played around with that, and, and I think Ilum was was the name of the, the planet. Yeah, it seems like there's a couple of places mm-hmm. that, that, that you the see Jedi this have, have kind of gone to do that. Yeah, in the in the Gideon Tartakovsky series, they they do travel to Ilum and they're ambushed by the robots. Yes. Also in Clone Wars, Ahsoka takes a group of younglings right. to the cave to get to pick out their crystals. It's like they're going to build a bear. They want to pick out their crystals. <laughs> and and isn't this kind of interesting? The the crystal that powers the Jedi sabers are now being used for a weapon, of, weapon destruction. of destruction. 
So, I mean, just the, the dichotomy of concept there. Yeah. Well, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit with uh, with another character coming up um, on how his uh, mannerisms have changed. But Lucas, during the first Star Wars filming, um, we're talking about the lightsabers, and they had to wield them with two hands. He said it was almost like a broadsword. They're supposed to be. But they had so much energy and so much power that they were tough to handle. To where now they've kind of turned into this whirly samurai, right? You know, katana, sword. yeah, katana, feel. ninja kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, the, the Kyber crystals have kind of taken a shift, and the lightsabers have taken kind of a shift. But I love how um, you know the design that they use. You know, Throughout Jedi, they brought so much stuff back. You know, Cassian's wearing um, Han's jacket from mm -hmm. Hoth. I guess, I guess he took it back to the base and they didn't need it anymore. So Han took <laughs> and it. So Han got it, yeah. You know. Oh, I don't and think then, that's the same one. I don't think Harrison Ford <laughs> fit into Diego Luna's jacket. <laughs> and then, of course, in the streets of Jeddah, running into Pondababa and Doctor Evazan. And now this is something that took me out of the movie, and and I and I that's a. Big, huge complaint of mine about how they <laughs> shrank the universe so much. Oh. Um, I mean, it was good to see him again <laughs> yeah. for the first time, you know. But did they really need to be there? Right. No. I think I think it was just kind of a fan service it was, nod, oh, it was completely, just yeah, to say, was, "Hey, we're in the same universe." Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were rubbing somebody's. See, back see I wonder if that was Gareth Edwards' idea because it feels like, like early on, he's like saying, "Hey, this is a different kind of Star Wars movie." Kind of. But all the way through these little nods, I'm yeah. like, I wonder, like, you're kind of of two minds about this. Are we in a different kind of Star Wars movie, or are we still in Star Wars? Yeah, I, mean, I think they're doing kind of... that. Yeah, I think they're doing that to bring you home. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here's the blue yeah. milk. We're still in Star Wars. Yeah. Okay, here's this guy. You know, we're still but in Star Wars. But this was the first one outside the saga. So maybe yeah. they were maybe they were trying to be careful. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, those things, I mean, those things make people happy. Yeah, those things really do make people happy. Now we're in the part of the movie though. See, that one didn't pull me out as much as something else did. Okay, Tarkin. It looks pretty good, but the problem is, we know that actor's dead. Yeah. We know he's CGI, and every time he's on screen, all I'm doing is thinking about as I'm evaluating the CGI. I'm not watching the scene. I'm yeah, just looking at his hair. I'm looking at the way his mouth moves. Him. Yeah, I'm, it, it ruins the scene. Does the voice match the way, yeah. you know, the, the intonation, is it the same? Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to tell you, though, from uh, speaking to people who have seen this movie that who aren't as, you know, in-depth as we are with, with people, you know, that really never bothered them. Yeah. Most that, people don't. That really, most people yeah. are really cool with it. Yeah. And did, we, did, a, did we see this one together? They did a really good job. No, we didn't see this one. Okay, I was with the I was with a crew of people at this one. I was the only one that knew that guy was dead. Oh really? <laughs> Everybody else thought that was just an actor on the scene. Oh wow! Yeah, no. Peter, um, Peter and, Cushing had been yeah, dead for a while. Yeah, I mean it rolls by everybody else. But for for me, I'm, I'm, I doubt I'm not. I doubt I'm the only one. Yeah. They I did not. I have, can't just watch those scenes. They did not have the Marvel time machine fixed yet. Which it, which he looks good. He really does. I mean, Leia looks bad. I mean, that's a rough. We're not there yet. That's rough. That was a rough one. Um, he looks good. I just, I can't, I can't just watch those scenes. And it's, it's, it's sad because I really tried not to look at him <laughs> right. on this rewatch and just look at Krennic. Because Krennic's doing really good a lot work. Of acting. Yeah. 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 But I just, it's really distracting. But it looks pretty good though. Yeah. So, uh, what, what do you guys think about the uh, encounter where? Um, Jen and Cassian stumble upon the ambush of the of the Kyber crystal transport. 
we get reminded again that Cassian's all in, right? He needs Jin. All in. So he'll shoot another rebel. Well, he protects her from both sides. Yeah. From the stormtroopers as well as, you know, Guerrera's, you know. Well, I think Cassian's willing to shoot every stormtrooper he sees. <laughs> and, yeah. And it only, only doesn't shoot some of them just not to blow his cover. Right. But when he shoots that rebel, I'm like, that's another level, right? Like, yeah. yeah, he needs Jen, so he'll, he'll shoot. He'll shoot compatriots. He'll shoot the people he's trying to recruit. And what I noticed to do today his day was uh, that that shooting of that rebel took out a few other rebels as he yeah. fell with the grenade, because he was going to throw the grenade at the transport to take out the troopers, and Jen was there. She was right by the transport. Yeah, so yeah. he takes him out, and as he falls down, he the, the grenade explodes. He takes out a few other of uh, Saul's troops. Yeah, if all those diplomats aren't all in, Cassian is. And I love them going back and forth and back and forth and keep getting hemmed into the corner, hemmed into the corner, and finally they're just right there, and here comes Jarrett. Yeah. It's a great yeah. scene. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I am with the Force, and the Force is with me. And I, I like, all is as the Force was it. And I like, um, I forget what kind of droid they are, but when the droid that looks like K2 comes around and she shoots and him, she shoots and him. he's like, you knew that wasn't me, right? <laughs> sure. And, and you see her like, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, you see her like, uh, really? I was just reacting, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it works. That was hilarious. And his, and his, I guess, emotion that would have really shot me. Well, I, I get the vibe off of him that like, kind of like, like, you know, some of the droids, if they don't get like, mind wiped occasionally they get kind of weird yeah well i think something with him not getting wiped recently and and the reprogramming and whatever they did to switch him around has yeah. really he yeah. got weird yeah. yeah i think cassian said something to the effect that that when they reprogrammed him that that he kind of had a few little it went sideways. quirks and stuff <laughs> yeah so it, it makes him very different yeah. yeah he he has so much personality and i love when he come around the corner he says where are you taking these prisoners to prison, I mean, prison <laughs> you know, and you know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the but the slap um, of K two to Cassian was an ad lib, and if you watch closely, you can see he really busts Diego Luna's lip, and also Diego Luna is just trying not to crack up <laughs> to keep his face covered. He's trying not to crack up at him, and it was funny afterwards when K two is like, "I'm so sorry about that slap, Cassian." <laughs> Yeah, their interaction is a really gem in this movie. Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, I got a question for you. Who's who's got the better droid relationship, K two and Cassian or Poe and BB eight? No, K two and Cassian totally. Well, you know, BB eight's like a puppy. <laughs> yeah, K K two and, and Cassian to me, th- there's more interaction between the two of them. I mean, it has a totally different feel to it. Yeah, it it is different because I like when um, I think it's. The end of Force Awakens, when they all show up together, like it's BB-8s with Finn, and and Poe's like, "Hey, it's Finn, BB-8," and runs up and like hugs the droid. I'm like, that's a weird kind of relationship. No, no, there's, there's, I'm thinking that's the same scene. If you watch it, he's like rubbing his ears, and you know, he's yeah. like, he, like you would do a puppy almost. You know? Yeah, hey, buddy, he was a good droid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Poe's got a unique relationship with his droid. Man. Yeah, yeah, and and I like that, uh, you know, in. Um, Obi-Wan says, you know, I don't recall ever owning a droid. And Luke has tried to make the statement that, you know, well, droids are like toasters. Mm. You know, it's just not something you would think about. But when you go through the things that they went through. Yeah. Right, exactly. Know, and, and all of the heroics that R2 had done. You know, it's, 
We're, but we're, as we, we find out, Obi Wan is not a reliable narrator either. Yeah. So. Um, he's a Disney employee. Well, I have a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, I had another question I wanted to ask about here. What did you guys think of the, the Darth Vader scene? Because that, because that's in this blog. Yeah. Yes, it is. Do we want to go there now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um, I loved seeing Vader in the uh, back to tank. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting. I wish they would have shown a little more, but you get a glimpse. Of, and I think that's enough, really, for what they're trying to do. Um, you see the door open, the massive Vader shadow. Krennic is sitting there waiting, and then the camera pans around. So you see Vader coming down. I'm going to call it a catwalk. <laughs> because Vader has a little bit of a sachet yeah. to his movement. I mean, the guy in the suit's massive. He fills out the suit, but he's a little narrow in the hips, and he's got this little twisty moving on. Yeah. That pulled me out from Vader. Um, See, I, I think that whoever's in the suit this time is more athletic yeah. than the guy we're used to. So he, he even when he's not sacheting, he moves differently than Prowse did. Right. Well, well, you had Prowse in the suit. Prowse is a bodybuilder. He is not an athletic yeah. guy. You know, he's he's for bulk. Yeah. You know, he's for, he's for massive strength. He's, yeah. he's, he's imposing. And then you also had uh, when Prowse was in the suit, you had a guy named Peter Diamond, who was the uh, stunt coordinator um, and Vader stand-in in the original trilogy. And uh, you know, being a stunt man, he's kind of a burly mm. guy as well. But yeah, this guy, you can tell he has a real presence and awareness of his body yeah and you can see in the end too during the, the fight scene I mean he just moves differently than we've seen Vader move before well you've got to remember he did just get out of the back to tank so he, <laughs> so, so, so he had his he had his spa day I mean, and he was good. feeling fabulous <laughs> how would that Manny Petty work with, uh, with the robot limbs you know though not a lot of Petty going on <laughs> 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 but now the interaction between him and Krennic, though, is oh, it's great. phenomenal. No, definitely. You know, I, and I love that Krennic, Krennic does just it. keeps on dropping. I'm still in command. I'm still in command. I'm still in command. And Vader's like, really? Yeah, he doesn't understand in the situation. And, uh, you know, I understand you've done this thing. And uh, you, do you understand the problems that it's causing? You know, this thing doesn't exist. And you're over here wanting your, you know, your bonus. And then, uh, then the scene. Don't choke on your aspirations. Oh yes, is I mean that's pure classic favorite. Be right? careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. Yeah, we we were talking about the uh, the movement being different here, and um, James Earl Jones doesn't sound the same anymore. You can tell he's got a few years on. Yeah, him. and I and I know it would be really hard to recast that mm -hmm. voice character. I know there would be a lot of pushback against it. I, I understand that's why they didn't do it. But he he just doesn't sound the same anymore. You know? I, I mean it's, it's sad, but I mean it's also it's like maybe we really should recast that. I mean I know that's probably not a fun thing to do, <laughs> but he just doesn't sound the same way. Like it's the, the not the same menace in the voice anymore. Like he like, I mean he's an older guy. I mean yeah. I mean age has its effects, and I just feel like the the voice doesn't have the same threat to it. Yeah, did it before. Yeah, it doesn't have the same weight. You can yeah. tell it's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, um, and just before this though, we had the uh, um, encounter on Edu. I know we had spoke yes. about the yeah, you know, uh, we jumped ahead earlier. Cassian being sent out to kill Galen Erso, and um, 
And so he finally gets to see his daughter Jen on the uh, on the uh, and it's the first time there. Cassian doesn't pull the trigger. Doesn't pull the trigger. Correct. Yeah, and that's a real turning point yeah. for his character. And you and you get to see a uh, Chirrut in some action with his you know rifle staff, uh, however you want to work that thing. And um, Baze tells him he's like. He's like, well, hey, well, good luck. He said, I don't need luck. I've got you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and so that tells you a lot about their relationship as well. And I will mention, I was going to ask you guys what you thought. Um, you know, as far as costume design for Galen, his imperial kind of, kind of, um, I guess I want to say costume, a uniform, yeah. very much remind me of Anakin's Clone Wars mm-hmm. uniform. The yeah, way that that the lot. shoulders and, and and things were made in that, and even the 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 front piece reminded yeah. me a lot. The way, the way that was cut. Yeah, yeah you're right. I yeah, mean, it doesn't have the ro- the, the Jedi wars. robe look, but I think you can see an influence that that keeps this in universe. Yeah, they really pulled equal parts from original trilogy, prequel trilogy, and even the Clone Wars. I really feel like they've pulled a lot in the in the design of this to make this a unified. Uh, that was a good catch, Sam. Yeah. I never noticed that before. Well, I was looking at that, and I was just like, man, it kind of looks like, you know, it, the animated version, of you know, a real-life version of that that animated yeah. costume. And the other thing I did want to ask you all, uh, back with um, back when, when they were at the planet, what was with the Death Star being inverted? It was coming in uh, from the South Pole. Okay. It's, it's, now, that, that was what I was... Uh, I think, uh, like I said, it reading something like outside universe, you know, kind of explaining why is it upside down, you know. And it was, I was watching it, and my son Alton says, "It's upside down. Flip it around. Flip it around. It's upside down. Flip it around. You know? <laughs> and uh, I think it was the orientation that it was coming into the planet. So the planet South Pole. Okay. Planet. It was kind of from the South Pole, so it was coming in almost upside down for the laser to be able to shoot. That sounds like a no prize answer to me. Yeah. I I think this is the nerdiest conversation we've had on a show named with nerds in the name. In a while, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, I, you know, and that was kind of a kind of an interesting thing that kind of grabbed me on, on one of the first few viewings of this. You're like, well, this starts upside down. You know, and you're, so you kind of like, well, what's going on here? And you, you Because you look at the dish the part orientation and it's like, in space, down at the bottom. You know, <laughs> Because every other time we've seen it, the dish bars has been in the northern hemisphere. Well, I, I guess, I guess, really, when you think about it, though, when, when we talked about Attack of the Clones, the way that the Naboo cruiser comes in comes and in inverts. Yeah. So I mean, okay. But that, but that was a great scene. Oh, I it mean, was it was epic. The way that the shot landed, the shot. and then the way the effects and how it comes across as a yeah. as it fires, it comes across as an eclipse. Yeah. You know. But yeah. I, I mean, I just I felt it like. Almost, it looked a little weird, like it was in slow motion or something. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, I was like, why did Death Star explosions happen in slow motion? But, but the way that like they were rushing toward um, Cassie and ship, and the way it kept rolling toward them, and well, the, actually, it, was, it was like a tidal wave of yeah. Earth yeah. coming out. I it actually was, it was to a uh, very to a, uh, broadcast. They were talking about kind of the science of Star Wars, and they were talking about you know that the uh, explosion of Alderaan is like completely wrong, mm-hmm. and how something that massive. How something that large would take so long to explode. How it would take, you know, so much space being demolished. It just takes time. And that's something that we, you know, Alderaan, bam, it's gone. You know, yeah. firecracker. And, and they blow Jetta up, and it takes, you know, 30 minutes, you know, for it to <laughs> for it to get from the city to to Saul's yeah. camp. You know. But it, but it's it's. I mean, it's a tense scene though. Yeah. With them rushing to it and them barely escaping, and the there's a problem on the horizon. 
There isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's one of K2's great lines. I love the way K2, much like C-3PO, delivers the odds from time to time. Yeah. Yes. And he's just like, we're going to die. <laughs> and Jamie, I know you read a lot of the comics that Marvel puts out. Did they not go back to Jetta at one point? And I, it was just like a piece of something floating in space? Yeah, that, that, that was one of the, the, the traps I was trying to avoid. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they do go back to Jetta. In, in the long run, it does destroy Jetta. Hmm. It's yeah. like a husk of a planet that's dying. And the, right. all, all life on Jetta is coming to an end. Nothing yeah. can grow there anymore. So I know in here they just said they were going to blow up the city. Yeah, no, it was a single this was shot. A, this, a single reactor. Time-wise, it's about what? 10, 15 years? Yeah, probably they fire on Jetta. Oh, it's when they Yeah, and it's, wow. it's coming apart. I mean, it's slowly... I mean, they just they destroyed the planet, not just the city. Wow. But it was long-term. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Well, something like that happens, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Well, and two, I mean, Jetta's one of those locust points of the Force. And so there was, like, with a planet dying, and there still being a locust point... Like, there was some... Uh, Jetta got weird. Oh, I bet. After they shot it. You know, I got thinking, I think it was, was post 9-11, there was a, a quote that, that we heard a lot, uh, you know, don't let the first shot be a mushroom cloud. Mm. And oh, so wow. that's it made me think about that. You wow. know, the first shot was like a mushroom first cloud. Mushroom cloud. Wow. So. Wow. That's well, you guys great. want to take a break and come back on part three? It sounds good. Well, let's take a break. In the immortal words of Freddie Mercury in the Queen song Hammer to Fall, to those who grew up strong and proud in the shadow And welcome back to Nerds of the Round Table as we finish up our review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. In part three, Jin proposes a plan to steal the Death Star schematics using the Rebel fleet, but fails to gain approval from the Alliance Council, who feel victory against the Empire is now impossible. Frustrated at their inaction, Jin's group leads a small squad of Rebel volunteers to raid the databank themselves. Arriving at Scarif on a stolen Imperial ship, which Rook dubs Rogue One, a disguised Jin and Cassian enter the base with K2SO while the other rebels attack the resident Imperial garrison as a diversion. The rebel fleet learns of the raid from intercepted Imperial communications and deploy in support. K2SO sacrifices himself so Jin and Cassian can retrieve the data. Imway is killed after activating the master switch to allow communication with the rebel fleet. Malvis dies in battle shortly afterwards. Rook is killed by a grenade after informing the rebel fleet that it must deactivate the shield surrounding the planet to allow the transmission of the schematics. Jin and Cassian obtain the schematics but they are ambushed by Krennic, who is eventually shot and wounded by Cassian. Jin transmits the schematics to the Rebel command ship. The Death Star enters orbit above Scarif, where Tarkin uses another low-power shot to destroy the, com the compromised base, killing Krennic, Cassian, and Jin. The Rebel fleet prepare to jump to hyperspace, but many of the fleet ships are intercepted by Vader's flagship. I don't think they were so much intercepted as just ran over <laughs> by Vader's flagship. <laughs> Vader boards the Rebel command ship and attempts to regain the schematics 
but a small starship escapes with the plans on board. Among the fleeing ship, uh, aboard the fleeing ship, Princess Leia declares that the schematics will provide hope for the rebellion. I, I got There's a question. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on here. I yeah. got a question for you. This is a, uh, I'm should have brought this up earlier. Did you notice how many times the word hope is brought up in this movie? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know that is really telling for the establishment of a new hope. Yeah. And you see just how hopeless they are. You know they're all at odds with each other. They're all looking for something to grasp. But they have, you know, news that this Death Star is a planet killer. They think they have no chance at all to, to defeat it, and the only thing they have is hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Yeah, it just wasn't very subtle. No, <laughs> it kind of felt like I got beat over the head with the hope hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, Star Wars is not a subtle type of a movie. Uh, this uh, one is though. Yeah, but this one, you know, well, that's what I was getting to. You know, this one has a lot more depth to it than some of the other ones. But you still get kind of hammered with yeah. some stuff from time to time. Right. Yeah, that that's the one big one. They just, I I I had a place on my notes where I was doing like a little tick every time the word hope was hope. said. <laughs> oh. And at some point in the halfway through the movie, I, I forgot to, to do it once or twice, and I was like, oh man, now I've lost it. Uh, lost fre- it. Frequency chart didn't work. Yeah. That's hilarious. But yeah, you see, uh, the the plan is established to steal the Death Star. Um, the plan is established to, to steal the Death Star plans. Um, <laughs> Try not to use that word too much here, but a uh, failing. Um, but the pace really picks up here. Like, it hasn't really? been a slow movie, but it just accelerates. Yes, they it, step on the gas it here. Hammers here, and I love that. You know, even though the council isn't going to do anything, Cassian kind of goes to his folks and says, "Anybody want to go with this?" And you see all these hard, grizzled, um, you know, guys who you know have done some stuff. They all come up to help, you know. And she says, "She says, you know, we can't, you know, we can't do it with just us." She says, you know, "How many do you need?" And you see this this group coming exactly. forward. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I've got a question. I want to ask Sammy in particular because me and you've had this conversation before. I want to okay. get Sammy's take on this. Before this rewatch, there's there's one part. It's in this. It's my big. It had been my biggest nitpick in this whole movie <laughs> is when when Jen goes into that scene with all of the senators or whatever, the leaders of the rebellion, and suddenly she's the one lecturing them about the rebellion. Correct. Until this last rewatch, that scene bothered me. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did you Do you feel, or, or have you felt, that that was a too rapid a turn for her character? Because it felt jarring before to me. I agree. It was a quick turn, but I think it was the death of her father that, that caused that turn. Mm-hmm. Because I think she saw him... To, to use the word again, as the hope that they needed. <laughs> yeah. And at his death, you know, it. I think she took it upon herself. And right away, you see that quick turn in her character. And I even made a note, you know, you get this quick change in her character. And, and, and I think, you know, you see a change, additional change in Cassian also at this point. So we yeah. see in this part three, we see a lot of character kind of yeah. motivations shift. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I, I chronologically, this is just like what hours after she's held her father. Oh yeah, correct. And and I'd realized too on this on this rewatch really how bitter she was at Galen specifically. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when she realizes that he wasn't a traitor, that he wasn't a collaborator, <coughs> and that he died so that this cause could live. That that for me, okay, that would that does make sense. And and I think that that was the change for her. Yeah, I, I you think know, you're exactly I think right. with his death, like I said, she took it upon herself 
you know, my father wasn't a traitor. This is what yeah. he put in place. It is now my job to make sure what he has set in motion comes to fruition. Yeah, I think to me that the dots connected when that when she first sees the message, yeah, and she realizes her father wasn't the man that she that he, she thought he was, that that may, that explains why that shift was so sudden. Like that makes sense because all of her bitterness, all of her anger, so much of her character was because of who she thought her father was. Not just that he wasn't in her life, because of who she thought he was. So when she realizes and has proof, not just a message on a hologram, she's got him. And all he cares about, even with his last dying breath, is we've got to stop these people. He he wasn't what she thought he was. Yeah, you felt that she held him responsible. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. And you, that confirmation with seeing the video and encountering him in person, you know, helped her make that turn. Yeah, and I know we had talked about it before. That, that, that little scene always bothered me. Somehow, something right. about that, that hologram scene and then his death and how close that was to us. I'm like, that kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. It, it still feels took, sudden, but it makes sense. And, you know, she also took the, uh, I won't say the extremism, but she took the views of Saul Guerrero, you know, of establishing the rebellion, establishing, um, you know, loyalty in folks, and said, you know, hey, rebellions are built on hope. You know, what do we have without hope? You know, and, and I think after seeing how fractured the alliance itself was, you know, I think she even more so took it upon herself to say, okay, listen, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to figure out a way to. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and, that, and, that's, and that's when the hammer gets you dropped. I mean, they, they start moving so fast. <laughs> yeah. They get on Rogue One, Bodhi gets them out of there, and then and then there's, there's no letter. The rest of the movie, there is no letter. Now, yeah. now, we do get just a real quick fan service nod if you listen to the announcements before they take off. Yes. Because it says, you know, General Sindula, you oh, know, I report. Didn't catch that. And so it's a throwback to Hera Sindula from Rebels. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So you have uh, the announcement for Sindula, and also there is a scene, and it is a. It's, it's a not even if you blink, you miss it. And I forget exactly where it is, but it's in that hangar area mm -hmm. and you see chopper you see chopper you yes. see like just a, like a half of chopper mm. on the corner of the yep. screen going over and um, also three different parts you see the ghost you see their ship one it's parked on the ground and at two times in the space battle you see it flying across mm -hmm. the screen if you if you pay attention to the ship design the body designs right you see it it's the ghost the yep the ghost. Yeah, we were uh, we had a couple of moments because my youngest one is the one that's really into Star Wars. And so during the battle space battle, she was like, um, "Daddy, there's not a there's not a squadron in that color." I'm like, "Well, there's not after this not battle." After this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she's like, "Why do they keep saying Red Five? Why is that important?" I'm like, "Well, hmm. this guy needs to die so Luke can be Red yeah. Five. Right. Yeah, I was gonna hold off on that, but we'll go ahead and jump on there. I love that how we find out how Luke. You know how Red Five becomes available. Yes, there we go. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we've got an opening just for you. Yeah, but that, I mean, they weren't being because she noticed. I mean, she's only ten, but she noticed. Like, Daddy, why is Red Five such a <laughs> why big they keep deal? throwing this up, right? You yeah. know, and I guess I never made that at the time. Didn't really make the connection even when the movie first came out with you know the idea of Rogue One, and then later on you had Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. Uh -huh. So, yeah, uh, Red Squadron kind of evolved in the EU, kind of evolved into Rogue Squadron. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, kind of a special forces, top gun, top uh, fighter pilots. Um, but yeah, you uh, have all of these ships. You have all of these pilots, you know, rushing to this defense. Um, and a lot of the footage mm -hmm. of the pilots in the cockpits, 
was outtakes from, from episode new, from, four and uh, yep. you know different different yeah. things, and they had kind of pinned them in there. And really, I thought done a, an, an excellent job of blending that. You know, they, it's they pretty don't stand out at all. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. I thought it did a really good and, job uh, there. You know, for people who are ex- who are very familiar with the classic movies. You know, it's a great nod. Okay, this is where these guys. This is this is why these guys are kind of grizzled and, and all. Right. But and I thought even as as great as the space battle was, I thought the battle on the ground was even better. Now the battle on the ground, um, I love the pep talk. Yeah. And when they're going down, you know, she's and she's talking. You know, we we don't know how we're going to do this. We're going to take our chance, and then the next chance after that, and the next chance after that, until everything's spent. Cassian says, "Make ten men feel like a hundred and you see these rebels, they spread out, and they start blowing stuff up over here, blowing stuff up over there, and, and Bodhi and the, one of the other guys in the cockpit, they're calling off random landing pads, you know, send, send guys to five, you know, got trouble yeah. over here on five, got trouble over here on two, you know, and they're just, you know, trying to distribute, you know, the, the fighting, you know, to give these guys a half a chance. Yeah. And you see all of the things that start going wrong. Well, and then they're, they're cutting back and forth to the inside, too. With, which I, I think Cassian would have gotten noticed right away. That's the scruffiest He's looking imperial <laughs> officer I've ever seen. Yeah. And of course, in that scene, we we get finally get our line from K two. I've got a bad got feeling, a bad feeling about, about this. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bad feeling about this. You know, the classic uh, recurring line there. Yep. Um, I I really enjoyed too watching this, seeing K um, two's walk. Yeah. Juxtaposed directly against another, you know. Uh, Security. Group. Yes. You know how just kind of stiff and lumbering it is. And, and he's looking around. And K two, he's just kind of looking around, kind of swaggering. What's you know, up? how's it going? What's up, dude? How's <laughs> <laughs> hanging? And uh, but yeah, uh, Cassian is a, is a pretty scruffy. Yeah. Uh, looking nerf herder there. Yeah. But he's he's unshaven. He's got the long hair in the back hanging over the collar. Yeah. Yep. They're gonna maybe, notice something wrong with you, pal. Maybe they should have put him. In the mask and let Jen go without. Yeah. You know, it would have been a little less, uh, a little less there. But, but. Uh, I like how they keep ratcheting up the tension, though. So they finally, they're right. able to finally sneak in where the records are. And then stormtroopers come. They have to close them up in there. And there's no way to get out. And it just keeps ratcheting up. Now, guys, this is the first death scene amongst our group of heroes here. We see the rebels outside taking a beating. We see the guys up in space taking a beating. I've what got a. This shield. I've got man code talk this for how is, I describe responses to these kind of moments. This is, yeah, when K2 gets taken out. I'll, I'll never admit that I've cried at a movie, except Rudy. I saw like a baby thing of Rudy. But <laughs> I will admit that sometimes the room gets dusty. That two of these deaths, the room got dusty. K2 was one of them. It was, it was a pretty hot pollen day. Yeah. Yep. Everybody? Three yeah. for three on the dusty room on that it's, one? It's, oh, it's yeah. a little rough, Definitely. yeah. Definitely, yeah. Okay. I, uh, yeah. I was I had curious to, it was just me. I had kind of, yeah, yeah, you had kind of a little, you know, catch, <laughs> catching the breath there, you know. Because once again, like we said, this is new ground. This is not things yeah. we've seen in Star Wars movies. So. And we knew not everybody was going to survive. Yes. But when K2 goes, as much as we've all fallen in love with k it's like, oh no. And who all is going to make it and who's not? Yeah, and how much does it speak for these characters and the portrayal of these characters that just in an hour and a half, two hour movie, we get so invested in Yeah. Them. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it got really dusty when K2. I've, you know, just watched it recently, uh, today actually, and you hear him, you know, as he's slamming down the doors, climb, climb, you know. 
And I was like, wow. Yep. Did any of the other ones get you? Oh, yeah. Well, one, I, got, I, got, I got Dusty on one more. I really... Jarrett uh, had a uh, had a great going out. But then you see Baze's turn. That was... Those two were really tough. Cheer it got me. I, it was definitely yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I would put both of those at, at the same way, I think. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen the video, but when they were having the panel to introduce these characters in this movie, um, Jang Wing was, uh, you know, of course, playing Baze Malbus. And, you know, they're going down there like, well, tell us about your character. You know, Donnie, Donnie uh, Yen, you know, he's like, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, kind of a, priest who serves the force but I'm not a Jedi and yes, they get to Jane Wing and he's like well you know uh, um, when this guy died points at Donnie Yen <laughs> <laughs> you know, when this guy died you know my character had a really big turn and a really important part of the movie and, and you just see Alan Tudyk just kind of like oh my god oh, no. <laughs> and, and Donnie Yen is like oh ouch <laughs> <laughs> and um so, yeah, we, we kind of knew before the movie was coming right. out that, that uh, Donnie Yen wouldn't make it to the well, end. But then they took everybody out. Yeah, well, that, yeah. I wasn't sure about that. Was it going to be everybody? everybody? Yeah, and, you know, each of them died as a sacrifice to a certain point in the yes. plot. That had to happen. Had to happen. You know, Bodhi was the same way. He had to get that message out. Mm-hmm. And once he did that, you know... He was gone. You know, K2's role was to make sure that that Cassian and and Jen found the plans, you know, and got that, you know. So, I mean, each of them had their part to play. The two I I wasn't sure about. I wasn't completely sure about Jen and Cassian. I thought maybe Jen would make it out. And maybe Cassian. But I thought Jen's the lead. She's the star of the movie. Maybe they let her make it. Yeah. Nope. 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 Got them all. Everybody dies. Um, but now, like you were saying, I mean, this is a, you know, everyone dies for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, they, they uh, accomplish what they're out to accomplish. And you see Bays, you know, um, going up to defend, cheer it. Blaze of glory. Yeah. Um, yeah, going out, taking out these troopers, you know, and you see his redemption in his heart and soul there. And I think he may have the, in my opinion, the coolest gun in all of Star Wars. Oh yeah, he's got the, uh, he's got the vacuum cleaner on his back. Yep. Yeah. With the attachment. Yeah. <laughs> that is a really. He looks cool like a Marine design. Ghostbuster or something. That there is you a go. Really yeah. cool design. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the set design. I know we talked about it before, but the character design, the sets. I mean, everything is just so glorious in this movie. What did you guys think about the uh, the, the Tie Strikers, the the new Tie Fighters with the with the like the laying down wings? Mm. And even they had some of them that were kind of like a troop transports. They right. Drop down with the death troopers. I'm I'm never sure about that because when they when they go back in time and make more advanced designs than in the original trilogy, I think it kind of just strikes it, me as weird. It, it, a little it does. Bit. It does with me as well. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, I see where the designs can all have a place in the galaxy. Um, you know, but then again, you know, where were they on on Hoth or where were they on right. Jedi? You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, they're cool looking, yeah, but like, cool it doesn't looking. really make a lot of sense. And then you have the taller walkers, you yeah. know, um, that were uh, but more wasn't that a be- Wasn't that a beautiful scene, though, when the AT-AT comes out of the, the smoke? Yeah. I mean, that was just fantastic. <laughs> now, yeah, and it comes out and... Um, but yeah, it, I don't think shoot, it helps. Hit it, hit it on the jaw with the missile. And yeah. It kind of, like, shakes its head like, what? <laughs> but, it, but it's kind of like a Tarkin feel. It makes you stop and think. Right. Like, it kind of, I mean, you don't, you're not enjoying the scene. You're thinking about like, okay, did were were those in the original trilogy? Yeah. Why, you know, 
that doesn't help me. I mean, I understand they need to sell toys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so so in this movie yeah. we got the Death Troopers, the Beach Troopers, and the Tie Strikers, and the uh, the taller AT-ATs, which they even named them something different as well. But the the cargo transports. All right, so we we've seen all the people die on the beach. Now I wanna I wanna move his head just a little bit to all the people dying in space, specifically the ones that come across the most famous villain in Star Wars. Mm. And what I we're gonna have to address hold on, later hold on. before is, before you get there. The way they tuck the shield down. Yeah. I want to get into that. How cool was that? Give me a hammerhead Corvette. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're like, what? And you see, you see this ship coming in like a battering ram. And you see these guys just grabbing. And they know what they're going to do. And, and I was like, what are they going to do? What is going on? And yeah. they just ram the Star Destroyer. Push yeah, it into another scene. and just decapitates it. And it crashes into the shield generator and takes out the shield generator. And they think, oh, we've got a reprise. We've got a break. Got a chance. We've got a chance now. And Maybe even then, they have hope. Oh, <laughs> And Maybe, then, like we spoke about earlier, they start to retreat, and in comes Vader Star Destroyer, yeah. just yep. plowing into these fleeing ships, taking them down. Yes. Yeah, and Jen and Cassian have managed to get the plans out, mm-hmm. and Vader's boarding the ship that has those plans on them, and then <laughs> it's not the best lightsaber battle. We've had that discussion. There's only one lightsaber, so it doesn't count, but. It, might be the baddest thing if the, in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's the most uh, just kicking butt and not even bother taking names. Yeah. yeah. Here's the interesting thing, though. I love that scene. I mean, it's a fantastic scene. But every time I watch it, it almost feels tacked on. Mm, I think it, it was. It, it, it's like, we okay, we need this scene that's going to bridge to get us to Leia in the Tant of Four. What are we going to do here? I think it was. Okay, let's do something awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel yeah. like that. I mean, I loved it. Oh, don't I'm get me wrong. It it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to um, see Vader move that way and yeah. to use the force, you know, in, in, in that fashion and use his saber and just, you know, just moving the bolts himself, you know, I mean, all of those types of but yeah, it does feel like they could have taken that out and just still had the guy reach the plans through, you know, the messed up airlock, yeah. you know, just because they were under attack or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it does feel like it it was an addition completely. But yeah, what a great addition! Oh yeah, to definitely, add, yeah. hands down. Yeah, entirely, entirely. And then we get to probably the worst thing in the whole movie. The very end, they hand the plans to a cartoon character. Well, now that was <laughs> now that was I think it looked. I think it looked a lot like Leia, as far as physical appearance goes. The thing is, is it was so bright compared to everything else. They almost made her angelic, and she stood out so hard from well, the rest of the scene. It made that whole scene look unnatural. It was Force it Ghost really, Leia. <laughs> it was Force Ghost Leia. I mean, really, so. it, that's what threw me out of it. I, I thought, I think the actress looked, you know, decent as you know, you know, with the computer generated stuff over her as Leia, but. The computer generation that they used was so out of scene. You know what I'm saying? It did not blend that with the the. the I didn't. I didn't think it looked good. Yeah, yeah it I did think not look good something. I do agree with you. Something with the lighting, uh, something the way that that maybe it was formatted or something just didn't fit. Yeah. As well as I'd wanted it to. Yeah. Tarkin looked, you know, even though it was kind of eerie and creepy, you know, it still looked better 
you know, lit in the way it was lit in the scene with him. This one just didn't feel that. No. She she felt a little too like washed out. Yeah. You know, too little. I, maybe I, yeah, right. washed out. See, it, it, see, it, it hit me. I felt. I felt. In. I I felt like I was watching like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like she didn't feel like the same kind of being as the rest well, of the people yeah, on yeah, the see, thing. That's, yeah, that's what I was talking about. You know, the 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 animation that they used for her may not have been bad, but it did not match yeah. what they right. were trying to fit it in with. Yeah, which completely threw it out the window. Yeah, but that does not ruin this. This like no. a, it, it's a great movie, and I, that's it's a it's a nitpick. <laughs> that's right. Hope. Yeah. What, yeah. What did they what did they give us? Hope. It gave us a new hope. <laughs> and so you see that the Tantive Four take off yeah. into the outer reaches, and you know, shortly thereafter, Vader's going to track them down to over Tatooine. You know, when I went and saw this this movie originally in the theaters, you know, there was that guy. You know, there's always that 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 one movie goer, right? We're coming out, and I hear him <laughs> talking to his buddies, going, "Hey, a wonderful do a sequel to this movie." <laughs> Yes, it's called episode four. <laughs> That's right. So, please tell me you told him that. No, I oh, didn't. Okay. I, I was just too busy shaking my head. I would have. Yeah, and I it was late. Been that jerk. And I had to work the next day, so I was like, okay, I gotta go. Yeah, I probably would have been that jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't. You can't feed that kind of crazy. I, I am that hero. Well, 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 we've we've talked about this movie in quite a bit of depth. I think more than we intended. Let's give out some awards. Let's some go for awards. It. Yes, this is a movie uh, it introduced a lot of new. In interesting things to us. So, <coughs> Sam, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Who is the best new character introduced to us in this film? All right. You know, I, I think – I don't know if this will be across the board, but, you know, I think most of us have shown our hand a little bit here. But to me, my favorite character, hands down, was K2SO. Alan Tudyk's, you know, brought – just brought that character to life. It was just such an integral part of the story. I was hoping okay. somebody else was going to say that and go first, so I could say something else. <laughs> Yay! Well, that's, thank you, thank you. Well, that's that's kind of another thing. I mean, that is, you know, there are so many great movies here. I don't think any of us is going to give a wrong answer. Yeah. Right. So, so K two S O yes. So Sam said it, so we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel compelled. So, yeah, I don't feel compelled about that. I'm going to say um, the best new character. Um, I mean, as much as I love Jen and her introduction, I'm going to go with. Um, Huh. I'm gonna go with Cassian. Really? Okay. I'm gonna go with Cassian just because of the depth that he brought. I was expecting you to say cheer to that to that role. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cassian. He embodied the the angst and how uh, messed up the the rebels had gotten. You know, before his reset there, and uh, you know the actor, uh, not really a known guy. He's. I, I looked at his IMDb page trying to find a Keanu connection with him. He's mostly done um, Spanish language films. Yeah, he's. Yeah, and he's. Yeah, he's from Mexico City. Yeah. And. Um, it's a pretty deep IMDb he page. Is a, uh, he He's done a lot of work. Yeah, he's. He's prolific it's just not, in his. Yeah, it's just not much that we've seen. But uh, I really love what he did with the character. Well, you saw both of mine. Cassian uh, was my backup. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so I'll go with my first choice. K2SO. I'm gonna go with that one. Okay. Those are, I had a, I, I couldn't decide. I was like, if somebody says K two so I can go with Cassie. <laughs> and here I screw you. Yeah. Well, I was counting on you to say cheer it. Cheer it. And, and yeah. see, Disney knows this, and this is why Disney Plus is going to have yeah. Cassie and K two because they know we love them. <laughs> yep. All right, for our next award, we're going to go with best scene. Now we, we've got to qualify though. <laughs> Definitely. The be, we all acknowledge the best scene 
in the movie is the Vader fight. It may feel tacked on, but it is, but it is amazing. The glorious it is, scene yes, in the it movie. is. So, so technically, down. this award is the best scene that doesn't happen in a walkway with uh, Darth Vader. There you go. So, Dwayne, I want you to go first. Best scene. What do you got? Go for it. Best scene. I am going to say the best scene in this movie is the uh, the space battle uh, over Scarif with uh, you know where we see where Red Five becomes available. Where we see <laughs> the, uh, yeah, all the different ships. We see even like I mentioned yeah. before, we see even the ghosts coming by. You know, so that's that's the scene I'm gonna stick with. Is, the, is that whole space battle was great. Same way you got. All right, so I, I guess with with character we took each other's. You took my scene. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. Uh, to me, the space battle of Scarif was, was just fantastic. I mean, just using the the audio and the clips from A New Hope to bring in you know those those actors again into those places. Just even the scene, like you say, with a hammerhead Corvette. Yeah. And just ramming into the Star Destroyer. I mean, all of those things really just kind of got me. I loved them. And you know, when I think Star Wars, I always think space battle. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the movie, they really don't spend a lot of time on the space battles so much. They're really not as prolific as you would think. Most of the time, it's just your third act. But it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm kind of going to agree with you. I I'm, I'm want to complicate it a little bit. Okay. Um, I think there's this about 10, 15 minute stretch in the third act where they're cutting rapidly back and yeah, forth back between and the forth. space battle, the beach, and the right. three spies inside. And that little block of time, they're cutting back and forth and they just keep ratcheting the tension up. And it gets more and more tense. That little block, I know it's not just one scene, so I'm cheating. Yeah. But that little block of time is just so powerful and just. I don't care how bad I had to go to the bathroom. I couldn't have gone up and left. I had I had to sit through all that. Yeah, that that's my favorite. Act, yeah, the third act in this movie is really phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah. So next up we have a best quote. Can I go first? Please. I've go got one I don't want you to take. <laughs> since, since, we've, since we've already stolen stolen, stolen all of mine. I want this one. So it's, it's in the, uh, the scene on Edu. Uh-huh. And it's right after they've come back, and Jen is getting all over Cassian's case. And I think the director wants us to be on Jen's side, but I am 1,000% on Cassian's side. I disagree completely with Jen, and I'm mad at her in this scene. Because she's like, oh, suddenly you're going to lecture people about how the rebellion's supposed to work. Miss, I'm keeping my head down so I don't have to look up and see the Empire. Yep. And so... She, she, so she accuses him of being nothing like a, nothing but a stormtrooper because he just takes orders. Yeah. So I love what he says back. He says, what do you know? We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to care about something. Suddenly the rebellion is real for you. Some of us live it. I've been in the fight since I was six years old. You're not the only one who lost everything. Some of us just decided to do something about it. Yeah. And it's not just the words. It's the, the delivery from Diego Luna. Yeah. It's yes. so intense. Their it's, interaction through that scene yeah. is great. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. That's my base quote. Yeah, that's it. Sam? Uh, you know, I have to go with the exchange between Vader and Krennic. Mm-hmm. Uh I love just the, there's a humor to this yeah. in in the process of force choking Krennic that, that you know Vader goes you know be careful not to choke on your own aspirations director <laughs> you know? yeah. that was just great I, every time I watch this movie I laugh at that point I love they've kept Vader's humor yeah. you know um, that we got in the Clone Wars 
TV show, not in necessarily episode three. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they kept um, you know Anakin's kind of snarkiness. Yes, there I love that too. That's a great quote. But I'm gonna go a little bit different. I love Chirrut. I love what he what he does. I like when they're in the cell on Jeddah, um, and they find Bodhi Rook over beside them, and the, you know um, Cassian's getting ready to break out, and Chirrut's there, and he's praying as as they says, you know, he's praying for the door to open. He says, "Well, what gets him is it's you know it's it's actually possible," and uh, he says, "You know, this is your first time in a." He says, "What's well, you know, it's my first time in a cell." And he says, "Prisons." Are you know not always a cell. I feel like you carry yours wherever you go, mm-hmm. and it's so telling of Cassian's weight he carries around with right. the things that he's done for the rebellion. You can see on his face too that landed. Like, this guy, you know. Do you think, in some ways, and I wondered this, it, that scene there kind of mirrors a little bit Han Solo and Obi Wan in the Falcon. That yeah. discussion of what the force what is, the force and, is. Yeah. you know, it, it, it mean, it's not the same context, but it's still kind of the same kind of yeah. aspect. This, this is our force insight moment. Yeah, I, I, I found that was interesting. Okay, yeah, that was our force insight moment in this movie, and that's one of my favorite scenes, or one of my favorite quotes. Nice. So, we've got through this whole movie, we've got through all of these awards, and we're still missing our man. There is a Keanu connection Where to Rogue One. Is the Keanu connection, wow. John? This is one of the toughest ones because the mo- most of this cast is either fairly new to acting or mostly from foreign films. Mm-hmm. So it was tough. This I is bet. one of the hardest ones I had to. I bet. And please tell me it involves Alan Tudyk. It does not. Oh, no. That was the first actor I clicked on on IMDb. I wanted it to be Alan yeah, Tudyk. I was, I was thinking he would have to. You know, he's been in so much. Yeah, I tried Alan Tudyk. Um, I wanted it to be Donnie Yen. Those are my first two that I clicked on. I wanted it to be one of those guys. It wasn't a single actor in this movie. Really? Our Keanu connection this week is from one of the writers of Rogue One. Wow. This fellow wrote the first four Bourne movies, as well as another Damon flick called The Great Wall. That I wanted to catch. I still haven't seen it. He also wrote Dolores Claiborne and Armageddon. But Tony Gilroy also has the screen cra- screenplay credit for The Devil's Advocate, oh, starring our beloved Keanu. I believe that's came up before yes. in our connections. Yeah. yeah, So that's very interesting. I had to go with the writer this time. So I had to go with the writer. Now, now Gilroy has done some great work. It's a pretty. It, it's not. It's not a huge list. Like I, I know the names. I, I expected it to be a longer list, but there's a lot of good movies. A lot of good movies. Well, that's great. <laughs> Next up, we have our Keeping It 100 segment. So, guys, who has a Keeping It 100 to go first? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this one, okay? Okay. I get that one clock one set. I'm getting it. You're okay? Just let me know yeah, when we to were, begin. We were slacking on this one. I was focused on Keanu. I'm sorry. That's okay. Right, are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. All right. So, my Keeping It 100 is actually... I zombie. Uh, the show is actually in its last season, season five, just started on the CW, but I've watched it from the beginning. And now that it's coming to, you know, this last season, and, and I'm just going back through and thinking about how much I've loved this show. It has so many great pop culture references. Uh, you know, it's very, very loosely based on um, a Mike Allred, the Mike Allred DC Vertigo imprint book, uh, but it's just so much fun. 
I mean, it's like reading an, an old issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland. I mean, the characters, the main character is Liv Moore. Gay. Her 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 boyfriend is Major Lily Wise. All right. One of the companies is Fillmore Graves. You know, I mean, it's this kind of thing. And it's just so much fun. And for now five seasons, it's really been great. So that's my keeping at one hundred. Great. I, I, I love when they go so over the top on names yeah, like that. I do. It's I enjoy just, that. It's just so much fun. Dwayne, yeah. are you ready? I am ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, I'll go with a, a little bit of an older movie. Uh, not not too old. Hero. Uh, Jet Li, Donnie Yen. Uh, great movie about the forging of the... Chinese Empire, nice. how they brought all these city-states together, and you have these assassins, and you have the different stories told throughout, and with each killing of the assassin, he gets closer and closer to the emperor, who has been completely shielded off, and then you see the turns, at the end, you see the things that happen, but what gets me about this movie, we talk about beautiful movies, I mean, this is a absolutely stunning Stunning visual movie. You cannot see a movie more beautiful, I don't think, than this. Um, every story kind of has its own color, kind of has its own different kinds of music and things, and the different viewpoints that, that it takes in here. Uh, definitely, we recommend this to anyone. I back that up 1,000%. I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get to it. In our keeping it 100. Nice. Um, and I love, I love it. I love that it's on Netflix. I love, I like how twisty the plot is. Too. Yeah. It makes you think all the. It's not just a beautiful movie. You're yeah. thinking the yeah, whole uh, way well, through. Well, yeah, that's that's a that I didn't get to. I mean, it's it's a well told. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very well told. So, Jamie, are you ready? Absolutely. And go. Well, I'm gonna stay on brand and recommend a comic book. Okay. Um, there's this series called Secret Weapons. It's a Valiant series by the screenwriter of Arrival. They hired him to do a comic book series. His name is Eric Heiserer. I don't know. Um, but in this world, there's a kind of like, a kind of like the X-Men or Mutants. They're, they have the Psyots of the Valiant universe. They're all like you know brain-powered people. And they have to be activated. And it's this dangerous surgical procedure that activates the powers in the brain. Um, but the powers are random. They, before they're activated, they have no idea what they're going to be able to do. Oh, well. And so there's this powerful guy, kind of the Magneto with the Valiant Universe, named Toyo Harada. And he's activating all these people. So he recruits them, activates them, and then puts them into his service. Except for these handful of ones that have these useless powers. <laughs> and so there's like a girl who can talk to birds. And there's a guy who can make things magically appear, but he can't control the when or the what appears. Uh, so it's just stuff. There's a guy yeah. who can make his skin turn to stone. Except he can't move when he's turned to stone. <laughs> And so there's these random powers, and so that's the that's the setup for this series, and they start being hunted. Oh wow! And they have to figure out how to work as a team and use their random weirdo powers to survive and defeat the person that's hunting them. And it's not just entertaining and funny; it actually has a lot of heart to it. And it kind of got moving by the end. It would have to have some heart. That sounds nice. really, really interesting. You had 15 seconds left on that. I'm I'm proud of that cell. That was a very interesting. I like that yeah. the powers are just random and yeah. you have no idea. And then you actually have these useless, yeah. just kind of like random, what, what are we going to do with this? You know, it makes me think of uh, 
in the Legion of Superheroes book, there's the Legion of Substitute Heroes. <laughs> and, 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 and they're the ones basically that, that don't have full Legion status, you know, that show up every once in a while, you know, like Chlorophyll Kid and, you know, the, these real random off the wall types of, of characters. <laughs> yeah, the, these people are so down the chain, they didn't even get names. Kind of reminds nice. me of our review of Sky High. Yeah. I oh, thought about that. <laughs> I love that. Love it, love it. Okay, guys, so, well, that was our show for Rogue One. Well, we have one last order bit. Well, that's what I was getting okay. to. So, uh, yeah, so, Nick, coming up very soon, what's our next? Our what's next review. Not our next episode. We've got some news, you know, sandwich between these guys. Our next review episode is Stranger Things. And I think i got a room full of excited dudes in here to talk oh, about yeah. this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nostalgia Fest. Yeah, uh, Netflix has really hit a home run with Stranger Things. And I think across the board, I've not spoken to anyone who's watched it that hasn't loved it. Um, and, yeah, it's complete nostalgia. It's complete 80s storytelling with the, uh, I mean, it, it's right along Ghostbusters, Poltergeist, Goonies. Yeah. You know, and and we are going to be doing both seasons. Yes. So, so, so if you're if you're rewatching it to get ready for the episode, you'll need yeah. to do both. Check seasons. out check out both seasons. Um, hopefully, this will drop just before season three. Yeah, I think we've around. got it timed that it's gonna. I think it's like three or four days. Yeah, so, before the, so it's the weekend. So relatively close to yes. uh, to the dropping of season three, which I'm uh, super excited. Those for. trailers are awesome. Yeah. I oh cannot yeah. Cannot wait. I cannot wait. So, guys, we uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to us here. Uh, please uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Um, our pages are Nerds of the Roundtable on Facebook and Roundtable Nerds at Gmail. Roundtable Shoot us some Gmail. news items you want us to cover, some recommendations for review. Always open to suggestions. And guys, rebellions are built on hope. Keep it nerdy. Mm-hmm.